Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 history has clearly shown that christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy god-given rights including the right to hear and speak his truth welcome to biblical citizen let's roll with your hosts brian and kathleen melanakis kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse and her husband brian is a former company president Kathleen and Brian discuss current events from a biblical worldview, so we as believers can influence for good in our culture and in the public square. Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Welcome to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Hey, we're glad to be back. We want to thank our pastor, Gary Cass of Christ Community Reformed Church, who acted as our guest host while we took a little needed time off to visit friends and family. We want to thank his granddaughters, too, Darcy and Clara, who did a fantastic job co-hosting. They will never forget being on the radio at eight years old and six. And it's wonderful when parents give their children and their grandchildren a chance to be part of their work world. So we're glad to be back. We're taking off a little time from something also that's very exciting that we're getting to be part of. There's a large gathering of pastors and ministry leaders uh, here in San Diego, organized by TPUSA, Charlie Kirk and his group, lots of pastors and ministry leaders getting together to talk about how we can influence the culture, how we can exchange ideas on, on speaking truth to our congregations, getting them activated to reclaim the public square and to be standing against truth and and standing for righteousness. And one of the things they said was, if you're not involved in the, the public square, politics, you're not standing for righteousness because the other people in the public square are are certainly affecting our lives. So we have a guest today, Greg Glazier, who has been uh, standing uh, for for vaccine freedom, for medical freedom. He's, he does a lot of things, but we're um, going to bring him on today. Go ahead, Brian. I just want to say, Greg, uh, we have had him on before. It's been too long. It's been a couple of years. But Greg is the lead attorney for Physicians for Informed Consent, this is a nonprofit group of healthcare professionals and others who inform the public, as Kathleen said, about medical freedom. Welcome, Greg. I'm so pleased to be here with you. So um, we want to talk. We want to spend a fair amount of time today talking about a very important law that we hope we can challenge. It's a law uh, SB 277, which passed in 2015 in the state of California and affects. Most of our children, certainly any children um, attending public school. So, Greg, could you start by just giving us a background about this law, what it says, and you know anything else you want to give us as background? Sure. The law is called SB 277. It was passed by California Democrats in the year 2015. 
virtually every Democrat, uh, believe the answer is 92% of Democrats voted for the bill, and uh, whereas virtually every Republican opposed the bill, meaning all the Republicans supported freedom and all the Democrats supported mandatory vaccination. That pattern has repeated in every state, but I digress. Going back to this law, SB 277, it mandated vaccines on all school children in California, private school, public school, and that immediately created a huge demand for medical exemptions, uh, where teen law, if they have a medical reason, then the legislature, the Democrats, again, cracked down on that and said, no, you can only follow the CDC in writing medical exemptions. So now all of these children are under this huge mandate. So lawyers have been looking to challenge this law in court. But so far, no one has been able to break through. No one has been able to successfully challenge this law, uh, even under different legal theories. Certainly several theories were tried. Um, One of the primary theories that was tried was in a case named Whitlow in the year 2016 that said, well, don't children have a fundamental right to education? Shouldn't they be able to go to school without vaccines? And then the court said, no, no. Children have a right to a safe education, and vaccines make people safe. So that was the court's argument. Um, The courts did not want to look at science. That's been a consistent theme. Another case tried to look at science, but the court uh, went out of its way to just cite the government science, to just refer to the government science rather than... Greg, do you know how far... uh, What kind of court was this, like in 2016? Was that reaching up already to the federal courts, or was it California courts or that was the lower court so lower it was a, courts. Uh, a okay. lower federal court um, okay called a district court and then uh the case that went the farthest out of any case was called love um love versus california and that was in the year 2017 if i recall and their theory was that you can't make parents choose between constitutional rights meaning the freedom of religion um freedom of bodily integrity and uh and right to education like they you can't say hey well which which right do you want? You only get one. You know, we have a constitution that gives us all of the rights. We get to exercise all of them together. So, um, so that was the argument. But again, the courts keep deferring to an old case, uh, an old case from 1905 called Jacobson. Um, that case in Massachusetts said that mandatory vaccination is legal. So since 1905, uh, there has been mandatory vaccination in different places in the United States. Now, many, many, most states have exemptions, meaning that the family can opt out of vaccines. Um, but there are a handful of states, California included, that does not, and that, uh, that just doesn't have religious exemption or personal belief exemption. So families are forced to vaccinate or homeschool. That's a tough choice for a lot of families, especially working families. Yeah. Yeah, and I can certainly talk about the Jacobson case for a long time, but want to focus on uh, what questions you guys have for me. Well, I want to know that in, in the Jacobs case, Jacobson, in 1905, they they asserted that it is legal because it protects public safety. But isn't that hasn't that really come under scrutiny with this COVID vaccine, especially? And can, why do they just believe? The, the opposite people that, you know, I don't believe that it does protect public safety. It's, it's, it, looked like, it looks like the opposite to me. As yeah. a medical person, like, I can figure out the science of how the death rate's gone up and how the vaccine injury rates have gone up. And 
So how can they claim that? They just believe them, and you say they don't do science, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's somebody... really the key. Yeah, the, the the key is that courts say that as long as a law has some rational basis that the legislature says, then the courts are not going to get involved with scrutinizing the science. Really? So, so, so that's always been the case. And so the only thing the court will ever do is just refer to the government science. And the government science is always cherry-picked in favor of vaccination. And so that's why all of these cases that try to challenge the science lose. Uh-huh. And so, it, yeah, so, or at least they lose now in the current realm. If there was ever a legislature that was really um, opposed to vaccination, then the exact opposite uh, situation would happen, meaning that the courts would be required to be opposed to vaccination. So, and that's how our constitutional system works. The legislative branch has the most power, by far the most power. Hmm. And so, so, uh, so really it's up to local governments to, um, to recognize what the control group science says. And the control groups say that the unvaccinated are the healthiest people in America. And there's a new book out that really outlines all the science on that. It's called Vax-Unvax, Vax versus Unvax. And yes, the children that don't get vaccinated are healthier than than the ones that do. And so there's a hundred studies to back that up, and it's all in the new book. You can get it on Amazon. It's written by RFK Jr. and Brian Hooker, Vax versus Unvax. Parents get it, and you can decide for yourself that you you don't you can go natural. It's better for your children. Uh, but there's all these different. You know, a lot of us became uh, aware. Well, I want I want to go back. I want to talk about my own history, and I think uh, Greg, you'll be able to comment on this because I'm going to get back, all the way back to the polio vaccine. But a lot of us in the last few years, we. Uh, I think we've been very typical. We vaccinated our kids. I used to work in big pharma. We got all the vaccines. And the first vaccine I ever questioned was the COVID vaccine. And we can talk more about that, the so-called COVID vaccine. But then you start looking at the data, like we were just talking about, the control group of kids that have not gotten any of these childhood schedule vaccines. And they do seem to be healthier. But I resisted, and I'm now I'm only going back a year or two, and I'm and I'm going to say that my typical reaction, even to my wife Kathleen, was, yeah, but some vaccines, like the polio vaccine, a lot of us baby boomers remember the horrific um, images of people with polio, and we only had to take, in some cases, a sugar cube with polio vaccine, and thank goodness we avoided that dread disease. But I understand, Greg, you've published an article that says for normal children, the polio vaccine is not proven safer than the polio infection. So that's quite a statement. It's more dangerous to take the shot than it is to get the disease. So I want to hear from Greg. So talk about that. published by Physicians for Informed Consent. Right. Yes. our, our, Our doctor's group published a paper, and we call it an educational document where we calculate the risk of the polio vaccine compared to the risk of actually getting polio. And the risk of uh, the number of people per 100,000 who get polio is so small. We're talking about about five people. 
per <laughs> yeah. 10,000 um, yeah. compared to the uh, who actually have death or permanent injury from polio infection. So, so that, that's so small, meaning that, um, you know, you're more likely to get hit by lightning. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and then, yeah. but, but if you get the, but if you get the, um, the polio vaccine, mm-hmm. then your risk increases exponentially for being injured 38 times more. That's not 38% more. You're 38 times more likely to suffer permanent injury. So, so let me just kind of paint a picture of what that looks like. And that's just one study. There's more studies that show it's even worse than that. But that, that one at least is from JAMA, which is a, popular, a very uh, uh, reputable uh, medical journal. Right. And so, so imagine that I came up to you and said, um, there is a risk that someone is going to hit you in the head with a stick. Um, now you can either let that person hit you in the head with a stick and suffer whatever injury that is, or you can step over one step to the side and take this injection, which has a 38 times more likely chance. You're 38 times more likely to suffer a head injury. You'd say, you know what? I think I'm going to take my chance with the stick, right? Especially so the stick represents getting, actually getting polio, and the injection represents the vaccine. So the treatments for polio are very straightforward. Um, back in the old days, so, you know, you mentioned, Brian, back in the old days, you saw these images about polio, the iron lung and all that. That was before we figured out how to treat this thing, okay? That was back in the old days, and we didn't know what we were doing. Okay. Today, they have antivirals. Nobody gets injured from polio. It's actually really easy to treat. It's, you know, just antiviral meds. This is not hard anymore. And so, plus, polio is easy to diagnose. And so, it's just a different situation. You know, the risks, uh, the risks are, uh, have shifted dramatically in favor of, uh, of not vaccinating, meaning that there, there's, there's no scientific or medical or even mathematical reason that someone should vaccinate once you see these numbers. And so folks who are interested in, uh, in getting into the details can go to physiciansforinformedconsent.org. Without, without getting into too many details, could you just give us some idea of maybe some of the side effects that could be associated with getting the polio vaccine? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, the common side effects are fever, vomiting, fatigue, but also the serious side effects are seizure. For example, one in 829 children get a seizure after getting the vaccine. And severe side effects also include Guillain-Barre syndrome. That's devastating to your life. Your whole life changes if you you get that. We're talking wheelchair level. Uh, Sudden infant death syndrome, you give a baby a a, uh, a polio vaccine and then they suddenly die, right? Uh, We've heard that expression before, right? Died suddenly. Yeah. and so, and these are uh, uh, conditions, what I'm highlighting here is that um, these are conditions recognized in the medical literature. But the doctors have not caught up with the current science. And so they're still recommending all these vaccines because the CDC does. They're profiting too much from it. But we have treatments, as you say, and as a medical person, why wouldn't you just take the risk of getting a disease that there's a treatment for which the low the risk is low anyway instead of a so-called preventative vaccine that that has all these 
side effects that are greater risk. So, yeah, because um, like you say, getting the the pol- getting vol- polio, you you have a risk of maybe one out of what is it five hundred thousand versus one out of eight hundred something. Um, yeah, of, of um, getting uh, injured by the vaccine. Yeah, I was going to so, say, uh, j- just the likelihood of even getting polio in the first place yeah, is incredibly is, low. And then if but you then, do... But then the likelihood of you actually getting injured from that polio is also incredibly low. So we're, in, we're talking about, you know, 0.005%. Yeah. One in 22,000 is the incidence of polio. Um, and that's just, that's just getting polio. And then the likelihood you get sick then is at only 5% after that. So, you know, we're talking about numbers that are so astronomically small. It's ridiculous to vaccinate everyone. In fact, it's insane. It is. To vaccinate everyone for something that only affects a tiny number of people. And of that tiny number of people, again, we can treat this. Yeah. So So Physicians for Informed Consent is saying this. Other groups are saying it. Dr. Peter McCullough, one of the finest cardiologists in the world, now is saying that it's better to go natural. Just don't get any vaccines. You, which you, is which is you know, a tremendous, tremendous that, change in position right. for him. We've noticed, as I'm sure you have, Greg, that some of these prominent physicians that were bold enough to resist the COVID vaccine mandates, but but I remember back in 2020, they were still saying one question, but the other vaccines are different. You know, the, this is an mRNA vaccine. The other ones are different, but now they've evolved to the point doing the research. Well, nope, we wouldn't recommend any of those any vaccines of either. Vaccines. But I want to... I want to circle back. I want to update us now. I want to go back to this SB 277, right. but in in the current realm. So I understand, Greg, that there was recently a lawsuit win, in a, I believe in a federal court in Mississippi, that was related to a law that, um, you'll have to confirm this, but I understand it's pretty close to the, this SB 277, this mandatory childhood vaccine with no religious exemption with no yeah so what what can you say about that sure um a health freedom organization successfully struck down the vaccine mandate in mississippi for all school children um that organization is called ICANN. and uh, people can visit their website icandecide.org um, yeah. they welcome donations and um what I just highlighted is historic. Um, no one had been able to accomplish that for 100 years. Del Bigtree, who leads this organization, ICANN, and his lawyer, Aaron Seary, um, and they also had uh, a lawyer in, in Mississippi, successfully challenged this law. And the court struck down mandatory vaccination. And the reason why, the court said, is that as long as the public health department gives an exemption for medical reasons, they also have to give an exemption for religious reasons because they have to treat people equally under the Equal Protection Clause. That's the first time that a court has struck down a mandatory vaccine law on that basis. And the reason that's important is it's constitutional. It applies everywhere. So now many groups, including in California and elsewhere, have realized the importance of this decision and are beginning to file lawsuits and get ready for filing lawsuits on to challenge this. But the lead organization that's, that's, uh, that's doing that is ICANN. Uh, again, ICANDecide.org. And 
Um, if there are, and this is a very important point legally, if there are different decisions in different areas, so for example, if the Mississippi decision is different than the California decision, then that creates what's called a circuit split, where two uh, lower courts have a difference of opinion. And whenever there's a circuit split, it makes it much more likely that the U.S. Supreme Court will get involved. Ah. In, fact, in fact, the likelihood of a circuit, uh, in fact, 90% of the cases that the U.S. Supreme Court takes are circuit splits. Really? So, yeah. So that's, that's why this is such a big deal, that there are cases that are filed even locally in California that challenge this law. Because even if those cases lose, it still creates what's called, again, a circuit split making it likely the U.S. Supreme Court will step in. Why is that important? Jacobson. It's that law from 1905, that Supreme Court uh, ruling from 1905. Mm -hmm. And so unless that ruling is overturned, we're going to continue having mandatory vaccines. And so so who can overturn a Supreme Court ruling? Only two, Congress or the Supreme Court. And so that's why this is so important, the, the development in Mississippi and why lawyers are just really interested and excited about that Mississippi ruling. Hmm. People were asking me about that. Now, how does the Mississippi ruling affect us in California? And so it, it does because there is a, a, a lawsuit now here in California, and it, we learned about this from Pastor Tim Thompson of Four Squares Church in Marietta. It's Dr. Donahue of Marietta who is taking this as a lawsuit to overturn SB 277. And we want people to get involved. We want people to in, to support them because we don't know how that's going to come come out. It might be a circuit split, as Greg says. Yeah. and But we want it to go to the Supreme Court. And so... Because um, then, and then all court. fifty states would be free of that of yeah, that, that oppression. Exactly. That, that, that's the key, and all of this is possible because of one man, Donald John Trump. He he appointed to the United States Supreme Court three justices, three conservative justices, who have been very critical of COVID, uh, of everything COVID, and it is those justices, together with justices like Thomas and Alito, who stand now as the majority of the court, a conservative majority, that actually could challenge Jacobson for the first time. And so that's why we're living at a pivotal time. And it's all because of President Trump. Excellent. So get your prayer warriors out there, churches, and pray for this lawsuit and support it. Uh, Just a real question, you know, we're we're not going to have a lot of time to talk about this, but are vaccines part of this transhumanist idea? Uh, and 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 you said you had an answer for vaccine injury too that has to yeah. do with this. Yeah, this is this is maybe one of the most important things that I have to say for for your listeners. Um, we have high level scientists who look at blood under the microscope. Mm-hmm. They look at uh, human blood vaccinated people and unvaccinated people. And the scientists have found that there is one thing that really cleans your blood. Fasting. Really? The, mm. Bible, the Bible tells you to mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and, so um, and this fasting, it cleans your blood. It's because your body naturally expels uh, foreign, uh, foreign matter. 
So I highly encourage people to fast. And I don't mean easy fast. I don't mean skipping breakfast. I mean real fasting. Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, Jesus Christ fasted. None of us are better than Jesus Christ. Not even close. He's in a different league. And he fasted. How much more should we fast? I, that, I assume you're not necessarily saying we need to fast Chris. for 40 days, but do you have any, and I'm not being, I'm being, I'm being yeah. very serious. Do you have a, do you feel like the medically there's a recommended time where it would be most optimal for well, time yeah, of fasting? It's, it's spiritual as well as yeah, of physical. Course. I mean, but I, I mean, from the physical standpoint. Yeah. I think that people should start off by fasting for a short amount of time that they are, that they're comfortable with. So they learn how to do it. Usually it's like three days without food. You can drink water. In fact, you, you must drink water while you fast. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Just water. No coffee, no tea, just water. And, you know, try, try not eating for a day, two days, three days. It hurts a little bit at first, but it gets better. And then, um, you know, if you can get up to seven days, that's, that's quite significant. That is a great way to clean your blood. But you'll, you'll, you'll see benefits even at two days, three days. That is fascinating. I've fasted for three days before. It's not that hard. Once you get over the first two meals or so, you, you lose your appetite. You, you, you focus on other things. You have more time to devote to the work of the Lord. It's just, it's very beneficial in many different ways. So it sounds yeah. like, Greg, this has been a wonderful discussion. I knew we wouldn't cover, uh, we're, we're going to have to have you on again, no doubt. But in the last minute or so, you, just give us your website for physicians for informed consent and anything people can do to help support thank you so much yes uh the the organizations that were highlighted in uh today's session is physicians for informed consent.org i can decide.org and children's health defense.org we're all working together to respect and protect your health freedom Thanks so much. You've been, as always, a wonderful guest, but more importantly, you're doing wonderful work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Greg. To bless your neighbor, yes, definitely go to these websites that were just mentioned, including Physicians for Informed Consent. Support the lawsuit. And support the lawsuit. Till next week. Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen.